I'm Kieran Lynch and welcome to Ovicast, the Chocolate Sheep Podcast. Each episode we bring you its insights, advice and technical updates for the sheep industry. Pre-breeding vaccination is one way to reduce our lamb losses and our barn rates next spring. A key point highlighted by our guest this week, Sarah Campbell, is a veterinary advisor with MSD Animal Health. Sarah highlights the common causes of abortion in our report on farm. We discuss the two most common ones of these, namely enzootic abortion and toxoplasmosis in more detail. It's timely as there is a vaccine available for both of these needs to be given pre-breeding. We discuss the vaccination program that can be implemented this autumn for both. As with any vaccine, correct storage, handling and administration are important considerations. Sarah highlights how this can affect vaccine efficacy and some of the key areas to focus on. Finally, as these vaccines have been given a number of weeks in advance of the breeding season, Sarah encourages farmers to order the vaccines in time and plan their vaccination programme prior to the start of breeding season. We start off, however, with Sarah highlighting the need to identify the cause of abortion through veterinary laboratories. When we're thinking about lamb losses in general, um, you know, I suppose we focus on the lambs that we have on the ground. So in the first 24, 48 hours, the lambs that are actually um, born and then as well as that um, after turnout. But unfortunately, quite a lot of lambs are actually lost um, prior to um, being born. So that's between, um, you know, between, between uh, topping and scanning and as well as that even before the due date. So uh, there's still births and abortions are occurring during that period of time. So um, to increase our lambing crop that are present on the ground, it's well worth focusing on those lambs that are actually lost um, to the flock um, and taking a look and finding out, you know, what, why are those ewes barren or what did this ewe, what was the reason for the abortion and doing a bit of an investigation there because there are many causes and to be honest with you Karen, just by looking at a yo or looking at an aborted animal or aborted fetus, it's impossible to say. Um, you know, we can sort of make very um, sort of educated guesses. Um, but to be honest with you, we always advise and recommend that the farmer, um, if you do find um, an aborted fetus, that you would pick it up and bring the placenta, if you can find it as well, bring that to the lab um, and get some investigations done. And it's, t- it's timely we're talking about at the moment there, like when breeding sales and when the breeding season has kicked off. Of them abortions, what are the two most prevalent ones we see? Yeah, so common things are common, Kieran. So every year we see toxoplasmosis and chlamydia as the two most common causes um, of abortion and lamb loss um, in yews. Um, so they are the two ones that we would say, you know, it's well worth thinking about those and controlling those within your flock. Now, there are lots of other causes. Many are infectious, things like E. coli, salmonella, compilobacter as well is on the increase. Um, and then as well as that, there's also some non-infectious causes like, say, for example, a, a yoga got a hurt um, or, you know, dog worry or something like that, um, you know, or a limited space. So, so there are lots of different um, things, but definitely um, toxo and enzootic abortion are the two most common. And I suppose the one advantage we have series like toxo and enzootic, you know, your chlamydia abortion, they're two we can actually vaccinate for. Maybe we, do, we focus on them in particular, like enzootic first, it's probably something that has gained a lot more ground in recent years. So it has it's certainly more common when we look at the, the disease reports come back from the labs. How is it spread and how does it have an impact on the O? 
Yeah, so enzootic abortion of yos, it's a sheep to sheep transfer disease. Okay, so um, if you don't have it in your flock and then all of a sudden it appears, it's likely that you've purchased in a latently infected yo. So you've purchased in a yo that was infected herself last year. Um, you've brought her into your flock or you've brought a group of yos into your flock or you've purchased some replacements. Um, and what happens then is the next time they become pregnant at around about sort of 90 days of gestation, there's a big inflammation um, in, the, in the uterus and in the placenta. Um, and then that yo goes on to abort. Now, when she aborts, um, the fluids that um, are passed out um, are hugely contaminated. And that is the main source of spread to other yos in the group. Um, so that's when they become infected. Now, if they're gone past the window of susceptibility, so if they're gone past sort of 90, 100, 110 days, they'll generally lamb down normally. Um, but if not, you'll have lots of those, your own home near yos will actually abort at that time. If they're gone beyond that stage, then what will happen is they may become infected because they're present in the pen with the infected aborted material. Um, because you know, sheep like to come over and have a sniff and have a look at each other and, you know, lick a lamb and things like that. So they can become infected that way, uh, just simply through oral ingestion and, and inhaling the bacteria. Um, and then they'll go on normally this year. But next year, what will happen is when they become pregnant, they'll abort next year. So it's one of those really frustrating ones, Karen, where it can linger for years and years in a flock, even despite your best interventions, even despite maybe going in with a vaccine or going in with, you know, other antibiotics or separating out your flock and your groups and things like that. It's a really, really frustrating one because it, it lingers on for years and years. So it's one of those ones, if you don't have it and you're a closed flock, that's brilliant. You want to keep it out. But if you're an open flock, you definitely are at a risk, a high risk of, of endoatic abortion entering into your flock. So it's a sheep to sheep transfer. Like when we think about that mode of transfer, like it's in the lamin fluid. So any sheep in contact in that year could be one year aborts the first year, it could be four or five in contact or in the, in the individual lamin pins. It probably goes unnoticed in a lot of flocks for a couple of years. It brings up that term abortion storm. It really is typically that, that it's a low underlying thing that's not been picked up early enough. Yeah, generally the first year, if you've bought in, maybe it could only be one, you know, yo in the whole group that you've bought in, or it might be only, be only two. So you might say to yourself, oh, you know, those 50 lambs bought in or 50 yos bought in, or only one or two of them aborted. And that's, that's, you're happy enough, you're okay, everything else went well. But if they aborted due to chlamydia, the other ones in that group will be infected um, and can pick it up. So that's why we always say, um, if you are buying in, um, lamb them down separately, you know, quarantine. Think about if if there is a latently infected yo here, how can I minimize the risk of spread to the rest of my flock? So at least you can consider them. Um, it's an awful term to say, but, you know, your own home flock could be your clean flock and the bought in ones are classed as dirty until proven otherwise, if you know what I mean. So just think about it as a total separate flock. If anything aborts, you're containing it within that small group. Um, and then you bring them over to and your of course, own flock once you're happy. The more yos infected in subsequent years, the bigger the spread's going to be every year. Yeah. Like, and the other thing to think about as well, Kieran, is like in that flock or in that group, say you've got a yo that's aborting due to chlamydia. Um, remember, there might be actual baby lambs in that pen as well as adult yos. So if you've got female lambs that potentially could end up being replacements in the future, they are also a potentially now latently infected as well. So we would always say that if you have a yo that has aborted, 
kid um, and you're trying to foster on you know another lamb or anything like that it would be a male lamb you'd be considering if you were going to do anything like that um, rather than a female lamb um, just to try and break that cycle but remember once it once it kicks off in your flock it sort of is a spiral effect then for the next couple of years and it, it really brings us back to the point of why foster yews and pet lambs are also high risk it's probably not fully accounted for in firms look if we move on to the control option like there is a vaccine available for it and now is the time to be considering it how does that vaccination protocol work for enzootic yeah, so for enzootic abortion, I suppose many people will think straight away, you know, of going in with antibiotics and definitely antibiotics are indicated in an abortion storm for sure. But unfortunately, they don't provide any long lasting immunity or anything like that. So that's where the vaccine comes in. It plays hand in hand um, really to go in and actually stimulate immunity. The vaccine is live. So Enzovax is a live vaccine um, and it's given to yos and breeding females before pregnancy to stimulate immunity. Um, so it's a two mil dose um, it can be given into the muscle or under the skin it's a live vaccine so like all vaccines we try to use them up you know within the first few hours um, uh, you know obviously and, and handling them and storing them in the right way in the fridge etc until we're going to use them it can be given to females from five months old and you will try to give that in the four month period before they go to the ram so if you're going to the ram this year you will give them their vaccine then in that in that time period before they go to the ram this year um, try not to go too close to um, actually sending them out with the tip or with the top because um, you want to give the vaccine time to work so no closer than four weeks um, prior to topping um, and then uh, you know that should be fine for those females yeah and look it's, it's a lifetime vaccine but I suppose it's important for a flock that maybe got a diagnosis this spring of enzootic it's a whole flock vaccine the first year and then you know, subsequent years you're, you're covering and need coming in yeah, that's right, Karen. So I suppose the first year, if you have an outbreak, it can be, you know, a quite a big ordeal to do the whole flock. Um, but then in the subsequent years, then it's just your your replacements there annually. So the vaccine um, will cover the the flock for at least three to four years. So. If you have a high risk flock, there may be an indication to go in there and revaccinate yos if you can identify them who they are, the older ones. Um, but for the rest of the yos, then it's just your replacements then uh, annually. And probably just the one caveat later, in a case of a bad abortion, so you, you can see a little bit of that latent abortion for its subsequent season. Yeah, that's a fair point, Karen, because definitely prevention is easier than cure it always is so if you're coming into a flock you know you're going to be buying in lambs or replacements definitely vaccinating prior to an abortion storm is key because at least everyone has immunity by that stage but if you're vaccinating after uh, chlamydia has been diagnosed in a flock you're sort of on the back foot you're vaccinating yos that potentially could be latently infected you're vaccinating yos that are potentially have already aborted and you're also vaccinating yos that hopefully haven't actually been infected at that point so the vaccine works best in yos that haven't been infected that if they do become exposed it'll reduce the number of abortions that occur but unfortunately if some are already latently infected what the vaccine will do is it'll reduce the number of abortions that occurs um, and as well as that some will already have aborted but you've no way of um, 
of identifying those yews unless you've marked them. Um, but the ones that are lately infected, there's no possible way of identifying those yews. Um, so you may well see abortions in subsequent years despite vaccination, but definitely the vaccine will re reduce those numbers um, significantly. Um, so it is still well worth um, using the vaccine um, in a flock where endzootic abortion has been diagnosed for sure, yeah. I think like anyone has been through it, it's definitely a no-brainer because it, it just dramatically reduces it. But like, mm -hmm. given the prevalence, is out there, it is something that has to be considered for anyone that's purchasing in their females every year. Maybe if we, if we yeah. just move to toxoplasmosis, it's slightly different in how it affects the animal and how it's transmitted. You might just explain a little bit about how it works. Yes, so with enzootic abortion, it's sheep to sheep disease. So, you know, the infection is spread in the lambing pen during the time of abortion to other yews. But with toxoplasmosis, it's slightly different. It's sort of, you know, the rodent is eaten by the cat and then the cat um, sheds the toxoplasmosis eggs or oocysts in, in its feces. And then those contaminate the feed and water supply um, for the yews. And then they pick them up um, in their hay or in their straw um, or even in the water supply. Um, and that's how they become infected. So um, whereas enzootic is sheep to sheep, toxoplasmosis is um, rodent to cat to sheep. Um, so it's not spread between sheep um, technically. So it is a bit of a different one where, you know, the cat can basically those eggs uh, when they're shed and feces can survive for years. Um, so even if you have had, had an issue in one year, you know, things can linger on for years once those eggs are present or the oocysts are present in the environment. And I suppose the thing about cats is, Karen, like, you know, even though we might not necessarily have a farm cat or a pet cat ourselves, they just they just roam onto your land, they roam onto your farm. Um, some people graze quite close to maybe a town or a village where maybe there's a housing estate and there's a high you know, population of cats around those areas. So some areas are quite a high risk, but then, you know, even just out in the rural countryside, you know, you can see cats as well. So um, the majority of sheep will become exposed to toxoplasmosis in their lifetime. Um, so it is one of those ones where everybody should consider vaccinating for toxoplasmosis for sure. So like, I suppose that is the one key difference it is not sheep to sheep is an environmental one. It's probably a misconception that's out there. The timing of that abortion or timing of that infection can affect mm -hmm. where we see the problem occurring. And I suppose it's probably a good thing to clarify that young sheep are probably the biggest risk. So anyone you know considering mating new lambs, they're certainly a high risk. How does it affect it depending on when they contract? toxoplasmosis? So I suppose the outcome of infection really is dictated by the timing. So if you've got a yo, um, she's not pregnant and she's infected at that particular time, there's no clinical signs, no clinical effect. We, we would hardly even know she was infected. But if infection occurs after mating, so in early pregnancy, um, the, uh, the pregnancy will be resorbed and she will be scanned as a barren yo. Um, during mid-pregnancy, we can see mummified lambs or abortions occurring. And then during late pregnancy, the same abortions, um, you'll see a little bit more developed lambs stillborn and also the birth of weak-born lambs. So the later in gestation, the lamb becomes more developed. But if infection occurs, then we will see clinical signs based on that time point. So 
it can lead to losses at that particular time later on during pregnancy. Um, and definitely um, younger yews are more susceptible. Older yews um, are likely to have been exposed in their lifetime just simply because they've been around for longer. Um, so they will have picked up toxoplasmosis and developed some sort of natural immunity. The problem with natural immunity is we don't know how long it lasts. Um, so you can't guarantee that it's going to you know, keep the yew, uh, protect the yew for, for years or for how long. So um, I suppose that's something we would think about when we're putting in a control program it, it just actually leads us on to like the vaccination protocol for toxoplasmosis what does that involve yeah so the vaccine um again it's another live vaccine um similar to enzovax so toxifax is a live vaccine it's a two mil dose and it's given into the muscle um again it can be given to your lambs from five months old and you'll try and do this vaccine in the year that the yews are going to go to the ram. Um, so in the four, four month period prior to topping. Um, and we'll try and get this vaccine. You can go as close up to three weeks prior to topping. But I always say to farmers, you know, get your vaccines ordered, get them in early. Um, because if you go too close to topping, everybody's ordering their vaccines and there's potential then for us to run out of stock. So plan, if you have your replacements, plan ahead and get your vaccines into the yews in good time. Um, so, yeah, it's a live vaccine. The good thing is if you are using Toxovax and Endovax, these two vaccines can be given at the same time just to reduce the amount of handling and stress um, on the flock. And as well as that, um, less time you know, for the farmer as well to be handling the yews. Oh, that's a very good point, because often time is limited at time of year. You do another jobs and it can sometimes lapse will be forgotten about. Look, you mentioned some aspects of this already, but the basics of handling vaccines, you know, are storage and correct administration. How important is that for vaccine efficacy? And what are the kind of key pointers we need to look out for? Yeah, so I suppose the, the vaccines are only as good as how they've been kept. Um, and I suppose just as a side note to say that, you know, vaccines are extremely important for animal health, but I suppose we should also remember other things like our biosecurity, management, housing, good hygiene, all of those kind of things do as well play a role. But the vaccines themselves, um, it's important to remember that the vaccines have been manufactured um, in a factory that basically, um, you know, it's it's very well regulated the actual um, temperature and um, we should be storing our vaccines when we buy them from our veterinary surgeon or an agri store we bring them home we put them straight into a working fridge um, because if they go outside or they deviate outside of those temperatures um, for any length of time really that renders those vaccines useless um, and especially live vaccines we want to be um, re uh, reconstituting them um, and administering them in in, the, in the, the time frame so every vaccine has a different shelf life once opened um, so for heptavac p i think off the top of my head it's maybe 10 hours and um, for enzovax and toxovax it might be slightly shorter you might only have sort of a three or four hour window there um, when you're vaccinating yos um you know the technique is important as well make sure if you can that you're doing them when the yos are have dry so I, su I suppose good weather um isn't always guaranteed in ireland but if the fleece is dry there's less likelihood of injection site abscesses if the fleece is wet um bacteria can be mobilized on the skin and go in with the needle under the skin and set up an abscess it's not that common at all when vaccinating um for abortion but 
um, it's just to, to note for yourself. Um, and we always say to vaccinate healthy animals only. Some people ask us, you know, if they have a sick sheep and they're doing the rest of the batch, is it okay to vaccinate that one? And we would always say no, um, just because that animal is probably uh, being challenged, it's immune system. And if you want to get the best out of the vaccine, um, you would vaccinate them when they're healthy. It's going to affect our immune response. What is look, um, it's certainly something you need to be considering. There is also the consideration the early vaccines, the order time lead in, like you mightn't always be able to just walk into your veterinary supplier and have it sit on the shelf. So it's something you have to be prepared for. Absolutely. So Enzovax um, is usually something that um, will be in stock, um, but Toxovax is made to order basically so um at certain times of the year um the vaccine if you if you know exactly how many doses you're going to use and you know when you're going to give it um try and get your vaccines in order them in, in well ahead of time um because there is normally a, a two-week um lead time for toxo uh, vax to be ordered um and then again if there's any issues or any delays or anything like that that could push that delivery date out by another few days and and perhaps if you're up against your time that you want to um, put the o's to the ram that could push push your uh, your topping period out altogether so you know because you need to get the vaccines in three to four weeks prior prior to topping um, you you do really need to be thinking about it um, well ahead of season so you know the fact that you can give the vaccines um in the four month period prior to topping you know you've plenty of time there to think about trying to get the vaccines in so so toxivax is one of those ones where you do need to be thinking ahead and getting it ordered because of the the turnaround is is two weeks and then there's such a short shelf life simply because they're life vaccines but definitely um planning ahead is key to get to get your vaccines in on time sarah certainly something needs to be on the to-do list at the moment really appreciate you coming on today thanks very much for your time not at all thanks very much karen okay we're going to finish the episode up at this point and again i'd like to thank sarah for giving up her time to be with us today and highlighting some of the key areas we need to focus on you know, vaccination pre-breeding can reduce some of the losses we get every spring it's particularly important for those who have a confirmed diagnosis of enzootic abortion or an ongoing problem with toxoplasmosis or those who are purchasing a lot of their breeding females in from public sales. It's something that needs to be addressed in time and prior to breeding, so it's really one that has to be on that to-do list in the coming weeks. That's it for me for this episode. Again, for any updates from our sheep programme, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chocolate Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and listen in to any of our episodes.